and I counted the number of websites that are geared toward fetishes. Leather fetish, shoe fetish, redhead fetish. What I found largely is that Asian women fetishes far exceed any other fetishes available on the internet. Brian Singer is the greatest director in the world. Everything he does is right, everything we do is wrong, but we listen and learn. You say, can I stick it in your butt? And the lady says, no, I'm not ready. You need to stop, don't pressure her, and wait until she's ready. Otherwise, it's gonna be a really shitty experience. When I was a kid, my great-great-aunt asked me what kind of instrument I wanted to play, and I was on a way, I was hurrying to get outside and play. I was like, ah, flute, flute, excuse me. And for Christmas that year, Aww. a flute was under the tree, and I was like, damn, I should have said drums! Why didn't I say drums? And my mother was like, no, you're going to play that flute. <laughs> so welcome to Last Man on Earth. My name is Lex Jurgen. as always, I'm flanked by Matt Ralston. Matt recently took the 10-year challenge on social media where you post a photo of yourself from 10 years ago and one from today. Oh, man, the difference is there. As 10 years ago, Matt was Matilda, a gangly female former mediocre college women's volleyball center with oddly misshapen breasts, and thus ended the fun of the 10-year challenge for everyone. It was an easy transition. <laughs> uh, you've seen the 10-year challenge. You saw that on social media? Yes. My, my belief is that the things that are most successful on social media are related to narcissism. So any chance you get to post to create a challenge that involves pictures or videos of yourself do really well. But like, let's say you said, like, post a picture of like uh, people doing good work in the community. Right. Nobody would do that. But like, show us your baby photos or show us your ch sports championship photos from high school. Like, ten million people. <laughs> ten million people. Show post. us your New Year's resolutions from <laughs> yes. ten years ago. Yes. <clears throat> your goals, and let's see where you're at. Uh, anything that involves like the self, like the the propping up of self, seems to be do really well in the challenges. Uh, this week's show is sponsored by Terry Crews playing the flute on Busy Phillips late night talk show. Standing in front of a billboard with a blown up photo of yourself sucking off another dude while wearing a dramatically undersized Celine Dion concert tee would be less gay than playing the flute on Busy Tonight. <laughs> Terry Crews playing the flute. It really is just a metaphor. <laughs> I mean, I honestly thought it was an onion piece when I first saw the story. Like, he literally, I don't know if you saw the video clip. He was on, you, nobody watches Busy Phillips talk show. I honestly had no idea it existed. It, the best part of the Busy Phillips talk show is that she plays up the fact that she's chunky, that she's like out of shape. Mm -hmm. It's like you can't really picture, outside of like James Corden, but you can't picture like a, and Rosie O'Donnell or something like that who's, in, you know, obviously very fat. She plays up the fact that she has sort of like a muffin top and that she's sort of, you know, got some misshapen, you know, like she's not in shape. Mm -hmm. She's not fat, but she's not in shape. So she wears outfits that kind of make her look like an everyday woman. <laughs> like the, you can see like she needs to lose weight. And then she has on guests who'd like do the same. And it's supposed to be very radical for women <laughs> to see in a talk show where just normal chicks are talking with one another. Yes, you haven't watched I, it. I don't know. <laughs> I don't even know what you're describing. Right but now, now imagine that they have Terry. So imagine the audience is 99.9% women. Because I, it, like, who else would watch a show about like sort of chunky women chatting with each other about ladies' issues? And now they have Terry Crews on. And the headline was, as if Terry Crews wasn't amazing enough, watch him pick up the flute, which should be a metaphor. <laughs> should be a metaphor. And it's just like... <laughs> He starts playing the he just starts playing the fucking flute on the show and then like everyone, all the women in the audience are like screaming like Is he good at playing the flute? 
I, how would I? I mean, metaphorically, and I don't know if he. I mean, I don't think he'd be in a symphony orchestra. But, but he like, could do it. Uh, high school band level flute, you know, college flute level. I don't know. I mean, I couldn't tell you. It wasn't. He's not like a master of the flute, but like just the fact that like that dude who you and I have had arguments through the, the years about whether he's actually open, just super gay. Or as I contend, pretending to be super gay so he can get lots of roles in, in, on television. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen a, du- a big dude pick up a flute before and start playing the flutes? Like of all the things. No, I have not, and <laughs> it is telling that that's the instrument. I'm assuming he's not like a virtuoso of other instruments. I'm I'm guessing that's his that's his thing. His like, main go to instrument. Yeah, it wasn't like he pulled out like a drum set and played drums, or even a guitar and played guitar. He pulled out a fucking. Do you know any guy who plays the flute? I don't know anyone who plays the flute, but you probably know some little little girls from high school or something that played the flute, right? But you don't just imagine a giant linebacker playing the flute. <laughs> well, there's a reason he gravitated towards the flute, yes, and yes. it's a it's super lame, but it and it's it's a beta thing because no one dreams of becoming the great flute player no. in the rock band. Nope. Even in Steely Dan, I don't think. Um, I think in some like maybe Asian cultures or something, you're you know playing the cello or playing the flute. In some cultures, probably it, it's different, but not in the United States. It's clearly not where he's where he's from, born and raised. Well, f- I mean, Freud had all these theories, and most of them were garbage. And then someone asked him, "Well, given that you think everything is psychosomatic, um, it's interesting that you're puffing on this cigar that looks like a dick, right?" Yes. And Freud was like, "Huh." Uh, Kind of painted into a corner on that one. So then he said, "Well, sometimes a cigar is just a cigar, right? Meaning, so sometimes it's not a dick. Not everything's a dick, a dick yes. except when Freud says it is. In this case, point being, it's clearly a big shiny dick for yes. him. You mean when you're pursing your lips and blowing, <laughs> blowing, blowing on it? <laughs> yeah, and and then spitting out, and everybody's watching the, you applauding you like." Working your lips on the, on the flute. It, it was like, honestly, I thought it was a satire piece until I actually watched it. And then it was like, he takes it very seriously. And I can't tell at this point if Terry Crews is just gay baiting the entire world. If he's just like playing into this stereotype that he knows everybody thinks about him now. It would be almost like hilarious if he was like Andy Kaufman and just went and learned the flute or like learned ballet or some shit like that just to like, you know, taunt people. Yeah. But I don't think that's what's happening. Well, he's going against type, but he's also like married to a woman, right? Uh, he's married to a woman. The only thing I would comment on that is she has a uh, like a shaved butch, butch haircut. Like uh, the only other person I know with that haircut is Jada Pinkett, who's married to Will Smith. So I'll leave you. I'll leave. You, I'll leave you at that. No, he's a hundred percent gay. But <laughs> didn't I have a theory that his his enormous roid cycle might be now? Like spiraling him down into, into like this, yeah, this crazy effeminate behavior. Uh, he's still and he's still super bop, so he's still obviously working out and doing all, the, all that stuff. It just you know he was the one guy in the Gillette ad, you know, testifying about his sexual assault. He's the one guy that anyone can point to who has made a big deal about having his balls grabbed by another dude, which is a clearly homophobic type reaction. Uh, I don't know. It just it, the flute thing, which just blew me away. And I, I had to watch uh, Busy Busy Tonight. <laughs> like, he, he, he channel, I think, has, like, worked for 15 years to f- come up with a show besides the Kardashians. They've yet, they've yet to find one. I, they must make 100% of all their revenue off the Kardashians. Because every year, they come out, like, three or four. New sh- Last year was the Rose McGowan, the Rose McGowan show. I, right. just, I just wonder who's at E. Like, who's getting paid to work development, like, at E? And going, okay, look, we've got to get another show. Oh, Rose McGowan. Uh, oh, Busy Phillips. Uh, w- 
showing off her fat her fat her fat rolls <laughs> that'll do the trick uh don't forget to become a patron of the show on patreon.com forward slash last minute earth creepy pedophile voice asks that you visit patreon.com and support the boys of last minute earth oh those delicious boys Thanks to our all new patrons. Get on this shit now before it disappears. If you wish to contact the show, hit us up on Twitter at Last Minute Podcast or on Facebook, also Last Minute Podcast. All right, on to the show. Matt, I forced you last week to look at pictures of Serena Williams in videos. Yeah, you're pretty obsessed with it. You sent me like a lot of Yes, I am. I am obsessed with uh, oddities. So it used to be Zika with the baby heads. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it's other oddities of like the human uh, human anatomy and human condition that always have fascinated me. Uh, not to the level of becoming a doctor or becoming a scientist or doing any research whatsoever, but just uh, Google images. <laughs> so that's as far as I go. You miss the days of freak shows. Yeah, it's like a it's like a yeah. In the, I think in the old days, freak shows, the side side shows, and the fat lady and the bearded lady and the and the, and the gimp and everything like that. People really like that shit. I mean, that's part of human nature, I think, to stare at that stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not hiding that whatsoever. And Serena Williams now must be pushing 200 pounds. She was in the Australian Open. She is still seems to have all the muscle. She's like a um, when you see the professional wrestlers when they let it go, when they <laughs> let go like they have the all the steroid muscle underneath, and then they add on like even Hogan after a while they add on all that belly fat. Mm-hmm. Men do. Men add the belly fat, but they still wear the tight, sh- the tight. Uh, you can see the Hulk Hogan doll right there. They add the, they put on the tight spandex shorts that kind of go up over their belly button. So they've clearly put on like 30 or 40 extra pounds, but they still have a massive amount of muscle. Right. Uh, with, with ladies and Serena, it's, it's in the ass and the thighs. So she clearly has the old way cr- crazy roided out uh, body where she's like way stronger and bigger than every other tennis player. And then since she had the baby that almost killed her six times um, during childbirth, she seems to have put on like 40 pounds of ass and leg fat. And now she looks like a, a Khloe Kardashian type even heavier than that, running around the court in green, bright lime green tight spandex onesies. Yeah. I mean, it's one thing if you work at an office and you put on 30 or 40 pounds, but she's she's wearing, you know, pro wrestling tights and and skirts and... She's not um, hiding it. No. I'm... I'm sure people tell her she looks great. <laughs> yes, that's a, that's a and it, people it, that she pays. Yeah, and she and she lost she lost in the quarterfinals or semifinals in the Australian Open. So, and I think she wins every match where she takes it serious, takes it seriously. But she looked like tennis seems to be one of those sports where you clearly can't be fat and play. There's never been like a successful fat t- tennis player before. I mean, there's there's even been fat like NBA players who've been successful. Charles Barkley, other people. Who have pot bellies? Who have done fairly well in sports and certainly in football? There's, you know, well in basketball. I mean, they might look fat for a basketball player. Well, that's what I mean. If but you saw them in a room; th- they wouldn't look like they were no, because they're six ten. But yeah. they, they they are noticeably fatter than the other players they play with. Yeah, and they sometimes have trouble getting up and down the court fast, and they're slow. I mean, I can picture Barkley lumbering up and down the court. But, you know, and when you're in your 20s, it's a lot easier. But, you know, in tennis, you've never, ever seen or let's say swimming. You've never seen like a fat swimmer or like a fat tennis player. You can be a fat golfer for sure. You can be a fat lineman in football. You can be fat. You know, uh, there's a number of sports where you can be fat and it doesn't really. It's almost difficult based on the and I, I guess you could say the same with basketball. But in tennis, it's hard to get fat 
because you're you're playing so much tennis. I mean, it's an insane aerobic workout. Well, and also you're moving laterally really fast and hard on your knees on cement. And I would just think that like the min- you know I always know people have like tennis knee or tennis elbow or whatever. People who play tennis have fucking wraps and bandages around their knees. So it's really hard on your knees. But imagine being fat and trying to do that. And yeah, only for every pound you gain, that's that's exponentially harder on your knees too. Yeah, not only fa- not, not only fat, but she's like so muscular and strong that she's actually moving really fast as well. So it's not like she's plodding around the court. She's darting around the fucking tennis court while being fat, starting and stopping like hard stops on her feet back and forth. It's kind of like the Zion Williams. Is it Williams or Williamson? Williamson. Williamson. Yeah. Uh, like that's what people are saying about him. Like he's not fat, but like you never see a guy that big that can move that quick. And you look at him, and he's he doesn't look like a basketball player. No, he looks like a football player. Yeah, that was a LeBron. That was always a knocking LeBron. But LeBron is like that rare freak. Right. I mean, and he's not fat. I mean, Serena's clearly fat. So here's a bigger point. No one. So I had to watch a lot of Australian Open. Because you got to do something at three in the morning. It's live broadcast from from Sydney, or where the fuck they, it's the only Australian town I can name, and uh, uh, and not a single commentator in the sports world, the McEnroe guys, anybody announcing it, any color analyst, anybody reporting on Sports Center, not a single per- article in the papers, not a single person is willing to mention the fact that she is fucking enormous. Like that's to me the first, very first thing I noticed, and not just because. I'm superficially putting her down. But if you saw like someone who is abnormally sized for their sport, like abnorm- really abnormally sized, she's got to be twice the size of her opponents, you would comment on that naturally as just a fact of the sport, right? I would think if there was, if, if oh God, uh, a tennis, a male tennis player <coughs> gained weight and was now fat and dominating at tennis, it would be a major topic of discussion. Yes. So I I think, and what you're saying is maybe with Serena Williams, it's the elephant in the room. Let's talk about how enormous she is for 20 to 30 minutes, her condi- her, and then we'll get on with the match. Her, you t- talk about Tua Tagaloa, they, mentioned, they talk about every single aspect of his anatomy like before the game. <laughs> like they're showing him in the bath, they're talking about his ankle, his tendons, his ligaments, his upper body strength, his like waist size, they're, like, they're breaking him down like, you know, like an animal, right? Mm-hmm. But with Serena, who was clearly... I mean, remember when Muggsy Bogues played basketball? He was 5'6", or whatever. He was 5'3". 5'3"? Yeah. I mean, that's, of course, or anybody, even even Nate Robinson, who was really short. Um, Anytime, like, a really short basketball player, like, every decade comes along, that's all they talk about, is how short they are. That's, like, the whole discussion about the players. Like, the shortest guy ever to dunk, the shortest guy ever to play. And they make him do, like, demeaning photo shoots (laughs) where they stand next to a tall guy and the guy puts his balls on top of his (laughs) head and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, look at Giannis Antetokounmpo. His nickname is the Greek Freak, Freak. which I always think sounds kind of derogatory. I wouldn't want to be called a freak, but he's called a freak because he's enormous and long and tall and he has huge hands and feet and, and he's also really good at basketball but he's called a freak and he doesn't even look like a freak in the nba because there's plenty of long tall seven foot guys yes he's no more freaking than kevin durant or any other guys who could but we're still calling him a freak and i'm not saying we have to call serena williams a freak but it is freakish in that sport it's incredibly i mean she must weigh she must be 80 percent larger by mass than any one she's competing against it's dramatically noticeable and that was before she got fat after the baby that was just when she was muscular and she her, she had man-sized biceps and her legs, you know, her thighs looked like a like an NFL fullback. 
Now she's added the butt and the, like the fat Kardashian ass type thing, where like her ass is like awkwardly like sort of out of her pushing out of her like her bike bike pants that she's wearing. We can actually see the curvature of her ass. Like you could rest a you know plate on top of it, and like no, and she's running around like really fast, and no one's talking about. It. And they're just here's the thing: they're just scared shitless of her. They're so scared to mention anything about her because I think partly it's because obviously because she's black and she's a woman, but she's also made it very clear that she d- she commands a large amount of media power, and she will use it against you if you you know if you upset her or talk shit about her. Yeah, she'll pull the woman card. The pregnant card, the mother card, yes, and the, and the race card. I believe she'll pull all those cards. And so, like even ESPN, even a sports. I don't know why they're doing women's tennis, but even a, even a sports channel and media outlet cannot comment on her, her in relationship to this her size in relationship to the sport. Like they have to like just completely like omit that large commentary for fear of, I guess, being attacked or being stigmatized in the media. It's yeah, kind of, kind of insane, really. Isn't there an ironic nickname she can have? Like, it's always in football, like, you know, Tiny. tiny, like tiny. Yeah, Tiny is for the big guy. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, couldn't we call her, um, you know... <laughs> and she she could literally go out there, I think, bare midriff, like those fat linemen do, you know, where you see, like, in Alabama, you see, like, their fat rolls, you know, and just, like, kind of ex- exploit how fat she is, and they still wouldn't talk about it. Yeah. Yeah, It's it's almost, like... I want to see a scientific study. I want to know like what she's eating, um, what she's injecting. There is sort of a, a theory that her, her father like kind of treated her and her sister with hormones at an early age. And a lot of people have an objection to that. It it was called sort of racist to that as a theory. You mean to that as a theory, because they're just bigger women. I don't see how it's racist, but um, well, they've always been. I mean, they're, they're, obviously, they have a genetic. They're genetically large. I mean, they're just naturally large, tall, large women. But Serena, at some point, surpassed her sister mightily so in size. Like if you look at Venus, especially in her thirties, uh, she. I don't know if she got smaller, but Serena got a lot larger. So when you see them side by side now, Serena is clearly like the much larger sister. And it just it's it's such if if you had any other sport, any other player, uh, and they were just grotesquely differentiated by size or anything. I mean, it would be, you know, even tall, even really tall guys in the NBA called out as how tall they are. When Yao Ming played, they talked about it all the time. And he was only, what, like 10% taller, 5% taller than the next guy? I mean, he was really tall, but he was 7'4", seven, 7'5", seven, 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 Yeah. But when he was playing against a 7-footer, they go, oh, look how much taller he is. But Serena Williams is like 80% bigger than everybody else. And also, by the way, I think it caused her to lose this time because she's clearly it's clearly a disadvantage to carry that much weight playing tennis, and she's 37 now. So I think that's something that they ought to mention in the sports analysis. Yeah, and not just mention it, but if I was doing color commentary, I would just have random musings. Like, I wonder how many hot dogs she can eat in one sitting and things like that. Um, Or just discuss the fact that, like, the weight that she's carrying must be very difficult on her knees and make it harder for her to catch up to shots. I mean, look, there's any number of comments you could make. Well, yours was cruel and mine was actually sports related. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, if you're if you're on an airplane, like here's a good example. I was getting on a plane and I'm a pretty I'm a tall guy, 6'2", right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people always have to undercut it a little bit. 
All, or or over, depending on what's less flattering. If, yes. if they're asking your age, they'll go a year or two over. Uh-huh. If they're asking your height, they'll go an inch or two <laughs> under because people are dicks um, and threatened and, and uh, insecure. Um, but I was getting on the plane, and my girlfriend at the time was sitting. Um, we had two seats together. Oh, no, we couldn't get two seats together. So we're sitting in the aisle, each in an aisle, right um, d- n- across from each other. And there's a woman in the middle seat next to my aisle seat, which was, she she probably weighed 280, but you know, the seats are small. Very small. And I kind of looked at the seat and she did not make eye contact with me. And a guy behind me just started laughing <laughs> and got up and said, I'll trade you seats. And that was nice of him, right? Really? Yeah. Cause he was an older guy and it was, it was nice. But this wasn't a freakish woman, but we still acknowledged that she was large. That she was large, large and, and it was a problem. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, you... I, and I was a stranger. Yeah, and forget about that, but even in the sports world where it is all about physicality and your anatomy are so important, it's just a blatant... It's just like... They're not talking about like her moral virtue or her, you know, completely abstract things to her playing career, to actually the game of tennis. You'd be talking about something that's extremely relevant to actually what you're watching, which is how it's affecting her game. I, it's just... It's so weird that now there's, there's taboo topics in sports, and some of that includes not being able to comment on a very important factor in what causes someone to win or lose in the actual game. Yeah, I mean, like censorship or, I guess, political correctness is certainly, this is a good example of how it's winning, and it's, you know, it's it's not deteriorating society, but, you know, this is, it's having a negative impact. I just felt like- People are afraid to talk about something that's- that's obvious and, and relevant to the sport. I feel like John McEnroe must just be kicking himself like during the during the commentary, not to be able to mention it because you know oh, he's saved up. He goes to the bar after yes. and just talks about it for yes. six straight hours to yeah. strangers while he's doing blow. <laughs> Matt, that leads us to our next topic, which is David Carr. Which is now that we've talked shit about Serena Williams, who I think would scare me, probably you as well, uh, in, a, in a in a fight. Uh, David Carr, the Oakland Raiders quarterback, uh, challenged Max Kellerman and Stephen A. Smith to a, a UFC fight. <laughs> UFC fight <laughs> uh, because they were calling at least Max Kellerman. It's unclear who said what, but it seems like Max Kellerman was devaluing David Carr, talking about the Raiders should trade him, but that they couldn't get anything to trade for him because he had no value. Uh, it was a sports. It was a sports commentary, but it seemed a little harsh. And David Carr, I guess, took exception to it. And instead of like just you know tittering and snarking back and forth on social media, he immediately went and challenged uh, Kellerman and uh, Smith, I guess, Stephen A. Smith, I guess, both to a, U- a legit Uf- UFC fight to settle their settle their differences. And everyone, of course, said this is the dumbest thing, you know, this is the stupidest thing ever. But it got me thinking, isn't this actually like how, until like, I don't know, 30 years ago, every single man dispute was was settled in the past, which was with fists or at least threat of violence, say duels way in the past. We had duels with guns or knives. Then later on, it was like, let's go outside and talk and settle this outside. Yeah. And that's how guys sort of kept themselves out of this ridiculous social media bantering, fighting, clap back, harsh commentary where fucking weasels on, on Twitter can just talk shit about each other with no consequences back and forth. And aren't we better off going to a back to a day and age when you just call someone outside and just, fucking pummel each other well the problem is now the person that lost the fight would sue the other person <laughs> yes and it used to be 
It used, yeah, it used to be two guys that fight and well, du- dueling was legal. Well, I mean, it was legal. You know, it was, it was criminally legal. So you would challenge to someone like this is the 1800s, like Aaron Burr and Alexander Hamilton. You would challenge someone to a duel. They would either ex- either not accept and have to leave town for shame, or they would accept and it was like you were never charged with murder after the fact. It was legal. So whoever got shot or died just died. That's but what that's it was. That's just stupid. <laughs> I, mean, I love that. Is it? I don't know how dueling works. I, I mean, I know you face apart and then you walk 10 paces then you turn around and shoot the other guy but in like track there's a false start right yes and you got to go back to the block well that would not be honorable to do a false start and do no but so what so the guy's dead and they're like oh you turn around a little too early and you're like okay well well usually usually uh my understanding of the dueling because the guns were not very accurate it was very rare to get a kill shot on somebody when you're dueling, mm. but you would hit. I mean, the, the accuracy of the pistols were so inaccurate that a lot of times nobody hit anybody. But oftentimes you'd hit wing somebody or hit them in the leg or some shit like that. And then they, of course they might die slowly later from infection. <laughs> but you know they were down uh, with the lead ball with a lead ball somewhere <laughs> inside of them. But it was settled. It was like, look, we could fight on fucking social media for the next five years and snark at each other, or we just go outside. Let's say fists. Or let's say a UFC fight and the fucking pound the crap out of each other until someone wins and the other person who loses has to shut the fuck up. Yeah. Well, it's, it's again, it's the whole prison industrial complex thing that popped up under Reagan, um, which was engineered as, and, and uh, Nixon to, to a lesser extent, but, you know, it was engineered to put people in jail, mostly minorities, um, or just whoever was available. Um, certainly not. They ended, Nixon, white and Reagan, collar Nixon and Reagan ended bar fights? Yeah, yeah, because they started prosecuting people for for everything. Like you would be charged with assault. I had a friend. This was in two thousand four, and he was playing basketball in a league. And a guy got him in a headlock. They got into an argument. Yeah. The guy put him in a headlock. So the guy initiated the fight. Just happens that my friend is really strong. So he got out of the headlock, punched the guy, and the guy nearly bled out to death. But headlock, by the way, bad move in a fight. Yeah, yeah. Going for the headlock's a bad move. Uh, yeah, it was a, kind of a sucker headlock. Um, unless you're a trained, ra- unless you're a trained grappler, the headlock ne- never really works. No, most people don't know how to engage. You're best off just kicking, <laughs> yeah. like and keep keeping distance from the person. But you know, my friend was charged with a felony, and he was defending himself just because he hit hard. But that's why you don't put someone in a headlock. But it's common. I mean, if you got into a fist fight with another guy. And and one and he got hurt, which is highly possible, seriously hurt. You'd be charged with like eight felonies. Well, this would be in the David Carr model. Let's say this would be a regulated fight, so you'd have gloves and you would fight each other, and it would you know in a ring. It would be you know there's no crime obviously in that. Um, I mean they talk about the McGregor fight after the McGregor lost his fight and the guys jumped in the ring and started you know rabbit punching the other guys and shit like that like sucker punching from behind they could be charged with the crime mm-hmm. but the two fighters you can beat the crap out of each other no matter what you want you never charge i mean you could kill a fighter in the ring and you're never charged with a crime i thought i remembered something about um a fighter being charged with assault over a low blow because he just hit the guy in the nuts uh i mean i think if they if the fight's over and you start pounding the guy or if it's after the bell something egregious where you're actually trying to hurt the guy Maybe I know in hockey there was a guy. Yeah, it's got charged with assault. Yeah, for assaulting the black 
player. Yeah, who but that was like gro- a grotesque assault with a stick, <laughs> where he just wound up and just fucking took a took a heave at him blindside when that when it wasn't involved in the play. I would love a show, and I don't care if we're talking like old people, fat people, yes. wimpy people. If if you legitimately said, "Here's what our a people's court basically," but instead of arguing your case, you fight. I, I think it would generate enormous ratings. I think it would be incredibly entertaining. Yeah, but with people that are actually like, not just like guys beefy, local guys beef, but like people like in the media or people that are in sports or people that are in politics, just saying, look, we've been bitching at each other for three years. Let's just settle this with with uh, with fists somewhere. That would be amazing. Not only would it be amazing from you from your gladiator entertainment standpoint, <laughs> but it would like after and, and the loser can no longer can no longer bitch anymore online that's what has to be the rule like the loser can no longer speak <laughs> the wrestling used to have the loser leave town matches mm-hmm. but the loser had to leave town but uh, jimmy hart would always bring him back somehow but they have a battle and the guy who lost would have to leave the leave the wwf or whatever it was <laughs> but like that is like such an amazing solution to the problem we have today which is that there is unlimited amount of bitching uh, especially online yeah. and in the media where you can just say shit about talk shit about people as much as you want, and there's no consequences whatsoever. And maybe this doesn't work with the female gender, but with the male gender, two guys fighting, they just have to, like, someone steps in and says, a court steps in and says, this is it, you can no longer bitch, now you have to settle it with a, f- you have to settle with a fight. I think it's great. I think settling anything with, with competition or some kind of skill that you both agree on a game of skill. Like, I had an idea for a show... So maybe maybe it's not fighting. Maybe it's you know they're bitching about each other. I'm the best Flip. chess player and the best and, fl- the best flautist. Yeah, and then you just and Terry Crews wins. You just wins everything. Because <laughs> yeah. I had an idea. Because my name well, the guys do it with basketball, right? Like they challenge each other one on one in the NBA. Yeah, I don't I don't know if that ever happens. No, they always challenge each other though. But I had an idea where because um, it irritates me that there's like five other people out there named Matt Ralston. <laughs> so I say we all get together. And we do like some kind of decathlon of feats of physical and mental strength, and whoever wins keeps the name. Everyone else has to change their name to something else. Uh, or be a good show, right? Like uh, that'd be great for SAG, by the way. <laughs> right, 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 right. Disputes where you have to change, use your middle initial because someone else who's never worked like in fifty years has taken your name already. Yeah, yeah, that's not a bad idea. Although I really want the blood and the, and the fight. I mean, I would David. I'm assuming when David Carr challenges guys who, by the way, are twenty years older, twenty twenty five years older than he is. Uh, to a UFC fight, that means he's probably been training mixed martial arts in the off season. Well, he's in, yeah. You don't and just come, you don't NFL, just come up with that, yeah. And he's he's got to be what six four two twenty. He's, he's a, a, yes, he's a big guy. But what if he took them both on? I I don't mind that idea. Andre the Giant used to battle two guys in the re- in the wrestling ring. It was always very entertaining. The it, idea of any pro athlete, a pro athlete fighting a civilian non pro athlete, it is like he would just destroy them. Even. <laughs> It, it would like yeah he's better he's tougher than the, than they are we get that but that doesn't change the fact that whoever made the point which is he sucks and they can't get anything for him that's not a controversial <laughs> it's not even like an attack on him it's sort of like just basic football well fact. it may not be the best uh, you know but a lot of times sports broadcasters do uh, what's his name um, Rick uh, the guy from the Cowboys who was in the fight with who called Troy Eggman gay mm. was it Bayless. Skip. Skip Bayless, yeah. I think like 20 years ago, he inferred that Troy Aikman was gay. <laughs> so, like, in, in the in the old, old days, if someone, like, came out and said, uh, called you uh, gay uh, before it was okay to be gay, 
you would challenge them to a fight and you'd settle it like with fists. Yeah. And I still think that's probably the best way to settle these things. Uh, you know, is like you're going to have a guy, com- especially nowadays, with guys who just say whatever they want about you, is just go back to fists. That's what I think. I mean, the bar fight in the bar is lame, but when the guys go outside, much better. And it settles everything and it doesn't disrupt the entire evening for the rest of everybody else inside the bar. Yeah. Well, I don't know because I think that I don't want the guys that are the best at fighting to be like dominating all of society and just like, oh, you said something I take slight offense to. Well, why don't we go fight? It's like, I don't know. Maybe <laughs> you weigh 300 pounds. You sound like a little guy, Matt. You're like one of the bigger guys. Like you would have a huge advantage in this new society. I don't know why you're fighting it. So I much. would have a huge advantage, but I don't want to fight David Carr. You, you know? know? No. Oh, I thought you did, we were going to say you don't want to fight a little guy. <laughs> so. It would just turn into big guys. Like Little guys would have no ability to say anything. And, you know, like wasn't Stephen that, Hawking. Yeah. Like, I don't agree with that theory on the, uh, you know, infinite time. Why don't we well, go fight? And it's like, well, no, it's fucking Stephen Hawking. Well, you Hawking. could say, no, I don't want to fight. But, I mean, like, <laughs> you don't have to accept the fight. But at least you would look, you know, people agree, if people thought you were ev- somewhat evenly matched, you would look like a wuss and you'd have to shut up. Like, yeah. like that was the whole idea of school, like in high school or middle school. That some the the kid would challenge another kid to a fight, and if the kid knew he was going to get his ass kicked, he couldn't win the fight. He would not agree to it essentially, or hide from it. But then he could never talk shit again. At least it was that part was over. But guys like you and me would be walking around. People that say controversial things, like Bill Burr. Yes. Even if he's he's probably an average to above average fighter, but he says so many, you know, funny but inflammatory things, or, or like Dave Chappelle. Eventually, the number of fights would add up, and we we would lose these people. Maybe. They would no longer be able to contribute their art. I mean, it, Dave Chappelle would be walking around looking like like Mad Max, you know, <laughs> missing an arm and <laughs> so, hey, one eye. I guess people didn't really live very long back in the old days. What about like the the Parkland uh, father against like Louis C.K.? So like you know, the interview the Parkland father is outraged at Louis C.K.'s joke from from a couple years earlier. And so he's just talking shit, you know, saying shit about him and whatever. What about that guy? He's probably like 50 versus Louis C.K. And they just fight. And the, the, the loser can just not. If Louis C.K. loses, he can't make those jokes anymore in his routine. And if the Parkland dad loses, then he cannot bitch about Louis C.K. making the jokes. Anymore. I love the idea. And and it would probably end social media for the most part. I, would hope I, so. I just think we have to fine tune it. Like we'd have to come up with just a set of agreed um you know some decorum in terms of how how to make sure that you know that it's kind of fair That's did you have that did you have a dad in the neighborhood growing up who would who would have his, either his own kids or other kids box each other like when there was a fight when there was a dispute and i might just be thinking of a movie but uh <laughs> it seemed like they were like the dads who would like when the two brothers were like at odds with each other he'd make them put the gloves on and fight each other Oh, yeah, I had that friend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They had this set of smelly old boxing gloves. Yes. Yeah. So, like, the, instead of listening to your kids, the boys, like, bitch all the time, or like a gym teacher would have done this, instead of having two kids who are fucking beefing all the time during gym class, which is obnoxious, you get them fucking gloves on, you put them in the ring, and have them just beat each other. I don't, I don't like- <laughs> that seems to be. I, I mean, we're taking away, I don't care what Gillette says, we're taking away a good aspect of, of uh, male human nature when we're removing all physicality from arguments. Yeah. And even, you know, I've talked about this before, even rappers now are just fucking, you know, calling each other names on on, on, on Instagram. That's what, we've, <laughs> that's what we've come to. Right. Like 20 years ago, they shot each other or stabbed each other or hit each other over the head with bottles and bars. And now they just do like rude, they enter them in their songs rudely or they, 
they put out rude tweets about one another. <laughs> that's no way for that. Pretty soon we're all be playing the flute, Matt. That's just that's the that's the end game of this. I like it, and I think the boxing gloves are actually a good addition. Um, you know, thick, heavy gloves yeah. to kind of minimize the some headgear, uh, some headgear force. Yeah, yeah, like every bar, every place of business would have like a set of gloves and headgear. And that's sort of what sport. I mean, that's what sort of what sports is like when you play on the court, uh, whether it be three on three, one on one, whatever it is. That sort of is the, the you know uh, the safer version of a fight, right? That's when you challenge someone to like a game. And it's yeah. like, and it may elbow each other a few times or knock each other around a little bit, but that's sort of instead of a fight, although that usually ends up in a fight. <laughs> that's supposed to be like a, men need physical competition to get rid of all their hostility towards one another. And if they don't, they'll just start shooting each other, fucking going to war, or just beating, beating each other senseless. So you have some sort of middle step there where they can take out their disputes. I think this is the future. You remember slap boxing and, and bloody knuckles? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that I I don't um, we I don't miss that. I, I don't miss the bloody knuckles because it really fucking hurt. But uh, we had a kid uh, in high school, and he was like a punk. I don't know what he was, but he was a normally strong in the midsection. I don't know if he did like eight thousand sit ups a day, but you could pay him a dollar and hit him as hard in the stomach as you wanted to. I thought it was genius. His name was Max. And he yeah, had, yeah. He ended up getting arrested uh, by the time he was seventeen. He assaulted eight people with a skateboard. But he uh, I thought you were gonna say with his abs. <laughs> no. But he just like he was like he loved violence. <laughs> and so you could hit him, like he would tense up his stomach and you could swing you could rear back as much as you wanted to, and for a dollar you could hit him as hard as you wanted to the midsection. Oh. And he cleared a good amount of money. It was hard to resist, actually. If you had a dollar lying around and you just wanted to hit you'd hit Max to the stomach. <laughs> Matt, let me ask you about your uh, latest disease you have, which is, I believe, called yellow fever. <laughs> I really hope your girlfriend doesn't hear this. Uh, but uh, once you uh, told me that you were uh, dating an Asian girl, I immediately went to my research department, which is YouTube, and looked up the fact that there are a number of Asian women who believe that white guys are dating them simply because they have Asian fever or yellow fever, and they believe that all Asian women are exotic and dreams of their fet- of their fetish of oriental fetish and they can't distinguish them by their national by their actual nationality and are just a, sort of like a a jungle fever mm-hmm. where a, a, a white girls uh, you know the Spike Lee white girls want to be with black guys cuz they get jungle fever right but this is asian fever uh, how do you uh, uh, plead to the charges that you believe all asian women are like geishas and must giggle coquettishly <laughs> at your jokes and probably at one point were descendants of sex slaves wow um <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I, I you saw the videos I of the Asian the, girls. Yeah, the the girl had a real chip on her shoulder. She acted like that happened all the time. So, a, I think she dates a lot of white guys, so she probably doesn't mind white guys. But if a white guy's not interested in her, I'm sure she assumes he's racist because he doesn't like Asians. Oh, because he's like Asians. But if a guy is into her, all of a sudden he's he's kind of the racist because he doesn't care about the specifics of her culture and he just randomly like a bat out of hell wants to just fuck as many asians as possible <laughs> yes. as some sort of blood sport when you say here you're talking about yourself <laughs> <laughs> I, will you will you admit will you admit i, I agree the, these these videos where these asian girls talk and like make satire videos of like how white guys want to be with them because they assume that even though they're chinese or korean that they're all japanese and they're all like geisha-like girls and they're all exotic and must know secrets in the bedroom and 
you know, whatever else they're 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 ancient somehow like a twenty year old white guy has ancient theories on the Asian on the Asian culture. Um, like he's been watching lots of Charlie Chan movies from the nineteen thirties or something. Yeah, like a hundred years ago what these young twats are saying would probably make some sense but now that would be rare that you would find a guy that that dumb and you would know he was dumb already before dating him and right. going home to find out that he has this asian fetish like a like a ode to all asians set up in his apartment <laughs> um so maybe the problem is you actually or maybe maybe you're both like kind of losery people and you and that's why you gravitated towards each other and matched on fucking tender you know but you don't agree so we had a little dispute about this you don't agree that's that there's something exotic about interracial dating inherently exotic about it well it's i don't know i mean i've dated all all different types of women and i'm curious about kind of how they grew up and you know like meeting their parents is interesting but, but i'm not talking about four i'm not talking about people from foreign countries but i just mean actual Rate someone like dating a black girl or an Asian girl for you, or you know, a black girl dating a white guy or a Hispanic guy, or whatever else it is, where it's like someone who doesn't look at all like if you grew up in a very let's say if you grew up in, in the Bronx, none of this would probably matter to you, right? Because you probably grew up in a completely multicultural environment where like you know, everybody 20% of your class was this, that, or the other, so you probably just grew up as a little kid with people of different colors, but let's say you came from you know, a predominantly white area, predominantly black area, or you came from Asia or whatever else, and you dated someone of a different race. Isn't that inherently exotic in its in and of itself? I don't know if it's exotic. I mean, it's... I just go I, by I, what I, I see in you porn. Say maybe you're attracted <laughs> to the person, at, like, by the way they look, but you understand that you probably didn't have the exact same upbringing. I mean, if I'm dating uh, any any other race... So if I'm dating a white girl... I don't ask her. So, where are your parents from? Um, you know, wh- no, but not like not the cultural part, but the actual just racial looking different. Yes, it's different, different culture, but actually just a different skin color, a different you know part of the world, eventual background. Here's what I noticed, Matt, uh, when someone uh, not myself visited a porn site once, <laughs> is that Asian is actually a category, a major category on the porn sites. Mm-hmm. Well, who do you think is watching Asian porn? Is it like is that for Asian people to see Asian porn? I assume that's for white guys or maybe black guys who want to see Asians in porn, right? I don't know. Why wouldn't Asians want to see other Asians? In well, porn? Why, what I'm saying, why would Asians just would, you wouldn't go to white porn, right? You wouldn't go to Caucasian as a category of porn. But there's like black, Asian. They're calling these out. Obviously, there's some kind of fetish behind them. I think German is code for white. German porn. Really? Kind <laughs> I, of a... I didn't notice that. I just saw there was amateur, and then the second one was Asian. And uh, based on the cloud bubble, it seemed to be very, it seemed to be very popular. And I don't know if it's like, is that just Asian people going like, I will, I want to see Asian girls, you know, having sex, or is it actually white dudes and black dudes and everyone else like going like, oh, that's kind of exotic because I've noticed again from my research that the Asian porn is very Asiany, like it's cliche Asian. <laughs> It's right. schoolgirls, or it's like geisha girls, or it's like very of that stereotype of Asian. It's not like an Asian American girl like at the, uh, Columbia. <laughs> it's more of like bathhouse girl. Well, bathhouse they are girl. a minority too. I mean, you know, porn is like regular. You know, white people porn is you know it's 
used to be cheerleaders. Now it's all stepsister for some reason. <laughs> I haven't figured out exactly how many people have stepsisters they're trying to fuck. <laughs> Apparently, a, a large percentage of the population. You mean virgin stepsisters who are 30 and have tramp stamps all over them? Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's it To me, it's never been something I... C- I know what their vagina looks like roughly already. Ooh, I've never been with an Asian girl, so I can't comment. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, it's. All, I mean, people are people. Obviously, people are people, especially when it comes to to sex. People are definitely people. But so you're saying there's nothing when you date an Asian girl. There's nothing about you think about it in any way whatsoever different than any other girl. No, outside of the fact that I'm dating an Asian girl. I mean, I mean, no. Like I might ask questions about Asian things. <laughs> yes. But that's not. I would ask questions about even though any, she's like, anything that sort of deviated from the norm. Even I, though she's like from Phoenix, you're asking a question about the Ming Dynasty. Like, <laughs> I have some basic Chinese historical questions to ask you. I know you're from Scottsdale, but no, like, I know if if a, if a girl's Asian American, let me throw that in there. I know that her parents do incredibly Asian things. Yes. And I'm curious about what they do. And you ask her if grandma makes dumplings and the is. dumpling is always making wontons of dumplings in the kitchen. Yeah. I want to know <laughs> if her dad is the tucked in shirt, yes. um, goes golfing, yes. drives an SUV Asian guy, or if he's like, you know, the, <laughs> like a shaman type of <laughs> shrunken head collecting um, toothless Asian guy. And yeah. that, not both are fine. Smoking, I just, smoking an opium pipe. Yeah, I'm just curious <laughs> opium about den. both of these. All, all of this is Trade, interesting. Trading in grains on his clipper ship. <laughs> like, I don't know. I think, it's, I think there is something to what, down at the very baseline, I think there's something to what these girls and their YouTube videos are talking about, which is I think there is some sort of, there is a fetish aspect to it. Not all guys, of course, but I think there is some guys who probably just want to be with you know, whether it be white guys or black guys or Hispanic guys, or whatever, who want to be with Asian girls because they find them exotic. I don't think it's most guys, but I think it's there. I think it's there's something to be said for that. Um, I mean, there's still very, there's still very few. You see, despite what you see on TV, and but I've noticed advertisements now. Every single ad has a interracial couple when they're couples and in, in ads now. Mm-hmm. Always, like I don't, insurance. What they're slipping now is a gay couple. They have the gay couple. They'll have the male, male, uh, the two husbands or the two wives. And like an insurance for your child commercial or a car commercial or like that, they're buying a new car, they'll slip in the, the, the gay couple. But pretty much every single time you'll see an interracial couple, when they show like a three or four, all state or something like that, it's an interracial couple. And it, you know, yes, that's more common these days, but it still is like, I think 5% of, of, of marriage in this country or 6% are interracial. So it's still actually, ve- and it's probably more common in the cities, but it's still fairly, fairly less common than same race marriages. But in every commercial now, it's just a con- it's just a constant. Like you can't, it's hard not to notice what they're doing, which is that every single couple is inter- every single couple is interracial. Yeah, and they'll also kind of flip the norm in terms of you rarely see uh, a white girl dating an Asian man, but yes. you, you will see a uh, a white. Mandating an Asian girl, like where I grew up in Alaska, it, at least eighty percent of the native people I knew were half white, and ninety-five percent of those, it was the dad was white and the mom was native. Yeah, and in the commercials, they will flip that whole thing on its head too, uh, which again is is fine. I don't think anyone has a problem with it, but 
you're just watching it like well how often do you see the white guy with the ebony wife <laughs> not all the time right no so, and and that would be the thing is they're trying they're, they're purporting to make this look as normal of a situation as possible that's the whole point of selling insurance they're showing the people in their living room and it's you know it's a balding white guy and fucking serena williams basically the best part of uh, do you ever watch the show ray donovan the series no. you've seen it? well the best part is like they're an irish they're, they're the donovans are an irish boston irish family who moved to los angeles but they're like really deep south side boston uh, irish like they're racist all this stuff but the dad who's like seriously played by john boy he's seriously racist uh makes a baby just loves black chicks <laughs> And like he he fell in love with this black chick and he has a black son, he has a black son, but like instead of like pretending like it's really normal for like a Southside Irish guy to have a black uh, you know a, a baby mom or a love interest, they just talk about his black fetish all the time and he watches black porn, booty <laughs> porn, stuff like that. And he's like, I can't date, I can't have sex with white women. I need a big ass. <laughs> like I need a black ass. Right. Like they actually break it down to like what it really viscerally is for him. Which is just likes women with huge ass. He just likes women with huge asses and black women. Mm -hmm. So it's actually like instead of glossing it over as if it's like a normal thing for a Southie to have like a a black you know lover. <laughs> like, he's uh, he's just constantly watching when he's not with her. He's constantly watching black booty, big booty porn. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, that's a, that's also an important distinction because if you're a white guy dating an Asian girl, who like who is she to say you're simply doing it because she's Asian? Now, if you only dated Asian girls and you serially date women, yes. well, that means that that is a thing for you. Or if you had an obsessive... But how often does that happen? Obsessive, weird questions about her background, her her genetic back, her you know Asian background. Yeah. That would be weird. That would be weird, too. Especially if she wasn't actually born in a foreign country, but was actually born in, you know, Pasadena. It would be a little <laughs> odd to be talking about her. Now, you might, I, I dated an Asian girl in the past, and you go to like went to like a Asian dinners and festivals and stuff like that, and it was definitely culturally very different. But I didn't think about it except for those times when everybody was burping at the table because <laughs> <laughs> I didn't I didn't realize that you're supposed to burp after you eat. These are actually people born like in China, mm. and they actually like as a compliment to the chef when they eat a meal, they actually like slurp it down and then burp to I show would, how I good would the find a way to leave the table <laughs> before that. And I was like Jesus, these are like and these are all college educated like Asian people, man doing it, and I was like. Wow, I mean, this is like kind of insane that people are like have food running down their face and they're burping. But yeah, like I'd say very respectfully. Maybe we should cut this out. <laughs> you know, the uh, the Tasmanians, I, I think they kind of agreed to stop ritual killing, killing of yes. their own people at some point. Maybe we should put that into that. But I kind of like that. You never, you know, you have to ask if you you don't probably cook. But if you ever cook for someone, you have to ask them, "Do you like what I made?" But if they're just burping and slurping, you're like, man, they love my, they love my fucking, they love my food. <laughs> Matt, let me ask you about uh, anal gangbangs, moving on from <laughs> porn. Okay. Uh, so Marie asked a question. There's a story in the New York Post about this week. The problem with high school girls ruining their rectums, falling prey to boys, convincing them to imitate anal gangbang porn sites they see online. Is this really a problem? Because I'm in high school and no one's ever asked me to participate. So there was a story in the New York Post, and the only reason this is worth pointing out is because A, it's the topic of anal gangbangs, and B, because... The media, modern media, will just take a random story from around the country and turn it into a phenomenon, as if it's a phenomenon affecting our high schools. Well, especially the Post. That's kind of what they do, right? <laughs> I think they, I, I think they all do it. But so this is not like let's say, let's say vaping is an actual phenomenon in high school. You know, uh, e-cigarettes and problems is an actual phenomenon. Whereas 
girls agreeing to be in amateur anal gangbangs because boys have been watching too much porn, and of late, porn really focuses on uh, uh, hardcore anal, <laughs> anal pouting. And so this girl in the story agreed to be in a, a, a anal gangbang with boys for reasons unclear. There was no money exchanged. And uh, now she, her rectum was de- her entire rectum was destroyed, and she's had to have multiple GI procedures that will affect her for the rest of her. Is this l- in America? <laughs> yes, it was in America, the rest of her life. And I think the the post was trying to say uh, through this girl's story that this is a a phenomenon of modern porn, as if old porn was like very gent- genteel and you know, and, and actually perhaps porn has become a little darker. Since the you know you can make it for eleven cents now, and and you want to get traction online. Well, and there's more of it, so people there's gravitate towards things. There, they they make um, categories of stuff that certain people are into. Well, also, it's I don't not, think not as broad. There used to be, although everyone is called, and I wonder where the term porn star comes from, because nowadays everyone's just referred to as porn star mm-hmm. if they're in porn. If they make like if they're if you could find them on you porn, they're called a porn star. But in the old days, they actually wore porn stars, like Kay Parker, who did all the taboo movies and. Like thirty on film, you know, videos, uh, film and videos are very popular. Was a porn star, that was her occupation for like fifteen years. She's probably not going to do an anal pounding gangbang, because I assume that's really uncomfortable and messed up, and like shortens your shortens your career by a dramatic amount of time <laughs> if you're doing like really hardcore, you know, semi-violent type uh, uh, sexual acts on film, versus. Some dude pretending to be her son in a taboo video where she's having like traditional porn sex. So I don't know. Maybe that's changed a little bit. But uh, is there any? I mean, do you believe this is a rampant problem across America's high schools? And 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 how can we how can we possibly blame porn for more things? And what kind of girl would agree to be have a, a, a violent anal sex with six guys simply to get along? <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to say she had some problems to begin with, yes. and she wasn't, uh, <clears throat> you know, Googling, oh, I wonder if jeans are on sale at the Gap, and then, oh, what's this? Oh, it's, a, it's anal gangbang. I think I might want to try this. I don't think that's how it works. What, um, and what do, I mean, I guess there's dudes in high, I mean, I never un, I never underestimate the, the grossness of guys in high school, but I can't picture myself agreeing to be like the sixth man on the anal, anal gangbang team. With <laughs> some girl in high school, uh, even if she was like the the woman of my the girl of my dreams, I can't imagine like going in with five other dudes <laughs> for an on camera you know, you know gangbang just for the hell of it. I can't either, but there are those guys because oh, there are. I mean, you see, you see the movies, and I don't know, I don't know why these guys are are there. I'm talking about the like 80 person gangbang. But I don't think they could be not in high school, but you always write about like there was a case in Oklahoma of like the wrestlers who were sodomizing the freshman wrestlers with foreign objects as part of their initiation ritual. There's always like those homo erotic, weirdly like fraternity slash team initiations that involve nudity and sex and sodomy for some reason. And there's always be like a gang, but although I, you assume there's always one or two guys who are really into it, the rest of the guys just sort of like, uh, for tradition, kind of just don't say anything. Right. But I don't know. But I, you know, sort of pounding gangs. <laughs> school seems no, like. it would be it would be incredibly difficult to organize. <laughs> yes. First of all, because if you if you simply tried to get one girl in high school to have anal sex with you, that would take some doing. Yes. Most girls would just laugh at you. 
um, and and really not even understand if you were serious. Um, These, just just see, having sex in high school is difficult, challenging enough. It's challenging enough, and it happens. But bringing in six other dudes and you being sober and agreeing to this. It doesn't make a lot of sense. I'm sure it did happen. Even Derek, even Derek Rose, Derek Rose only brought two buddies in with him when he would have sex with women. Yeah, it it seems like, and to blame it on porn. I mean, I'm sure that here's one thing I will say. I don't know what it would be like to grow up today as a boy with complete, open, universal access to all kinds of porn, because you know it was difficult to find when I was a child. We found it, of course. But it was difficult to find, and it was much more single X-ray than it was triple X hardcore. It was Playboy or Penthouse or Hustler, and occasionally videos off off of that kind of stuff, Skinamax, other things like that. It was not like, oh, here's fifty thousand like two minute clips of like hardcore porn at my at my fingertips on my phone. Yeah. I don't know what that what that would actually do. I mean, I'm not against porn as a societal thing. I don't know what that would do to a fifteen year old boy necessarily. Well, it's it's inevitable though. I mean, porn exists because people are horny. It's not the other way around. So, obviously, if you're a young boy, it's not good for you to see, you know, graphic sexual images most likely because in nature that that wouldn't happen until until you fucked, but also by nature you're wired to like find porn. If, if you can't find pussy, right. you're, you're just wired to like or beer. Yes, be around as much <laughs> pussy as possible. I mean, you're obsessed with it. So, but the actual the actual process of it, like the idea of a guy coming up with the idea to have a six man gang anal gang bang, I don't think am I that would ever have occurred to me ever as like you know because I didn't see that I didn't see that as a as a young man I didn't even hear about it. But now I guess if there's like if it's the front video on X Hamster. And it's the top, <laughs> the most, the most watched video. Maybe a lot of kids are watching that. Well, there's only one way to prove if they got this idea from porn or the other way around, uh, and we can look at the court transcripts. <laughs> but during the gangbang, did one of them wear a gorilla mask? <laughs> Was there a furry? Because fur- that would never occur to you outside <laughs> of porn. porn. That would that would verify that porn has in fact. Were the guys pretending to be uh, like the car wash guys or pizza delivery guys or playing roles of the? Were they all stepsons, like the horny stepsons? <laughs> yeah, if yeah, if the guy shows up with a pizza box and and they're doing like weird role playing, then that's that's porn. Yes. Also, I can't. I, I mean, sadly enough, a lot of these girls end up being like the girls who end up doing shit like this in high school end up being like in special ed. They're like yeah. dramatically uh, under intellectual capacityed women, and then it's sort of a crime. But I can't imagine you would think that like having a bunch of dudes pound you in the ass would be anything really bad for your body. <laughs> like, like that just can't be. I don't care if you're in advance porn star; it's got to do bad shit to you. But if you're a, a teenager in high school and you're not, I mean, don't don't try the expression. Don't try this at home. Yeah, you really should not try that at home. No, it's it's a freak occurrence. But look at the Daily Mail. Like weird shit, particularly in the South. In Florida, people. Oh, the Florida, yes. The world is is so fucked up with weird people doing weird shit. So no one says when you catch the couple who have kept their eight children in cages <laughs> yes. and you know they're severely malnourished and can't read or talk. No one says like, did you get that idea from like a weird cult horror movie that <laughs> yes. you watched? Like, no, they didn't. They no. got that idea because they're fucking psychos and they thought it was a good idea. There was a, a if you recall, one of the man rules and man rules was uh, don't. 
don't fuck your chick like you're a porn star, like you're in a porn. <laughs> but they're like, that is actually not the way to treat it. Not the way to treat a woman is that uh, uh, you're not trying to perform acts of sex on her as if there's a camera on you and you're selling your you're selling your video. <laughs> that you know uh, uh, you're not supposed to uh, squeeze uh, your partner's tits as hard as humanly possible or contort her into a pretzel shape and just pound the shit out of her with your or put the back of your hand <laughs> yes. on your own small of your back yes. and extend your fingers <laughs> yeah. what the fuck is that yeah. what is that move or spread your legs widely as if there's a cameraman between your under your scrotum there's there's all sorts of things that i could see how boys would get like weird the one thing i always wonder about if they're watching all these dudes with huge cocks like through their, through their years before they're before they've had sexual experience of their own i could see how that could be a little disheartening for guys to see Dudes with fucking big schlongs, like all over, all over their uh, their, their porn. And uh, I don't remember when I went to the porn in school. It was all just wimp, naked women. I don't even remember the dudes being in it. <laughs> Matt, let me ask you about Lusty Jones. I believe you had a crush on her for many years. She's one of the least. I can, if I think of women uh, who are the least sexually, I'm the least sexually attracted to. I made a reverse list of least. Uh, she would be on that list for sure. She just frightens me at a very horrific level. Horrific level. Um, she, I mean, that's her character is kind of that she's hyper aggressive, right? Although I, I don't know her personally, but based on her social media and so forth, she seems to be hyper aggressive as well. She seems to be very forward in her in her comments, and also, if I might say, and without sounding utterly racist, you cannot speak. I mean, you could speak. I might tell people to speak with their friends or their buddies, but we're, you're in public, in a public presentation or on social media. To actually write in Ebonics, I think just makes you look very, very stupid. I just do. I mean, like to actually mistype every single word because that's the way it's phonetically you, you sit, might speak with your friends. Right. Just you know, when you say dint and D I N T. It just and you're a fifty year old, and you're a fifty year old woman, <laughs> just trying to make by the way a political a political point. It's just hard to take you seriously. Yeah, you can write it with proper grammar. I know what your voice sounds like. Yeah, right, so right. then therefore, when I read it, I will picture it sort of as the way you're saying it. But. Yeah, I get that. You, I get that your friends might bust you for talking white or some stupid thing like that when you're, if you're speaking in Elizabethan English while you're conversing with one another. But when you're actually typing 120 characters. You can get the, you can get the actual close to proper spelling out there. You don't need to. I know that there's all the thing about black people saying like X and things like that, but you don't write A K S E D when you're writing. No, X. it makes you look like a total dumbass. I mean, no one, everyone speaks quite a bit differently than how they write. Correct. Uh, and so, yeah, understand that that if everyone just started typing the way they talked, the world would go to hell. We wouldn't be able to understand anything i remember writing a script one time with i think it was hispanic characters and trying to put like the hispanic spanglish into the, into the, the dialogue and someone's saying like no that's not what you do like just write in english and the you know the actor the character will figure it out yeah. don't start writing what you think spanglish sounds like dumbass like with all the fucking commas and broken words and misspelled like i'm just making up english spanish words like because i think that's how they might speak it always pissed me out because i love steinbeck but if you read uh, Grapes of Rather, some he writes the sort of redneck characters that that same way. So it's like I'ma get me some, and and like you're reading regular English, and then you get to that, and you're slowing way down. Like, wait, what are these? These aren't words. And then you're like, okay, I get what he's trying to do. 
But uh, it's it's hard. Everyone makes mistakes. We just stop doing that. It's harder, hard, unless a character has some speech impediment or some actual weird thing that you need to make a, a big note about. It's just weird to hear people doing like different dialects or writing any bonics. She needs to stop that. But here is uh, Leslie Jones' point. Uh, so she said, "There's a new. For some reason, they're making yet another Ghostbusters reboot, and Jason Reitman, who may or may not have gotten the job to to direct the film because his dad Ivan directed the original." <laughs> Uh, actually, Jason Ryan's made a couple good movies. I'm not going to totally trash him just as nepotism. I mean, obviously, that's how he got started. But he seems to be a fairly competent director. Yeah, I think he makes good movies. And he makes unique you know, movies. He makes he makes the kind of movies that you can't really even make anymore unless you're the son of Ivan Reitman. But yes, that's at, true. At least he does seem to be a... He, you know, he's an artist. I mean, it's not like your, your dad's a movie director, and and you want to be a movie director, but you can't because your dad like is a movie director. You should be allowed to be a movie director. Yeah. And if he's going to give you breaks, you take the breaks. But then you have to be good, otherwise, <laughs> otherwise you look like an idiot. So he's they're redoing Ghostbusters yet again, and and, and Reitman came out and said they're going to be rebooting the original 1984 Ghostbusters, uh, which by the way is one of the most successful comedy films of all time, comedy action films of all time. It's seen as a classic. It's made endless oodles of money uh, since since it came out 35 years ago. It's just huge. As opposed to rebooting the Melissa McCarthy, Leslie Jones, uh, Kate McKinnon, whoever else was in the female Ghostbusters, was it Paul Feig? Uh, Female Ghostbusters of two years ago, which received very modest reviews and also did about one-fifth the box office of the original (laughs) Ghostbusters. And Leslie Jones said the decision to reboot the original Aykroyd, Murray, and Harold Ramis film versus her film of all females was bigoted, racist, and something else, and like very tr- like something Trump would do. Right. <laughs> and then, of course, you have to, she has to be taken. No one in the media can say, like, well, that's fucking idiotic. Shut, the, shut your mouth. You don't know what you're talking about. They have to then have a debate about whether or not this is a real, whether this is not really a real bigoted, a real bigoted issue for Hollywood. So it's bigoted because she's not going to make any money off of it, yes. basically. Well, it's bigoted because they're going back to... I'm sure they'll figure out a way to make it more politically... make it more diverse and more politically correct than the original, where it's scammer dudes trying... and then Bill Murray's trying to get over on women and shit like that, but being a fake, whatever. They'll modernize it so it doesn't offend people, but they're not rebooting the actual all-female Ghostbusters movie, which is the most... Re- they're not doing a sequel to the all-females Ghostbuster movie. Well, can we explain something to Leslie Jones? The first one, like you said, was very successful. And 30, what, 30 years later... And by the way, the first one is a white guy is the lead, Bill Murray, who's very funny. He should be allowed to work. I don't know if I need to go out on a limb there. <laughs> yes. I think he should still be able to do movies. Um, and there was a black guy and a super Jew. Ernie, Ernie uh, Hudson. And... Uh, Harold the, Ramis. And, and, and the... Uh, and, yeah, and a weird alien guy. Um, but there was a black guy and a, and a Jewish guy. Um, Ernie Hudson, by the way, launched a huge career for Ernie Hudson in that film. And and the uh, was it Susan Sarandon? The fe- no, uh, uh, what's her name from Aliens? Yeah, Sigourney Weaver. Sigourney Weaver, the female lead. She wasn't just a token woman character. She played a huge part. Yeah, she the, had a huge, a huge eighties movie career. Yeah, um, but it so there was that, and then they uh, made some sequels, and then when it became convenient, uh, they remade the movie with all women. That doesn't mean that's just the standard now. You can make a movie 
and that's it, and then go back to making movies that don't star all women. Is she under well, the impression that all movies now must star all women? I think I think she's saying they could have done a a sequel to that film. Yeah, they all... could have done a lot of things, but they didn't. <laughs> they don't owe you anything. Like when did so... your contract say that you you star in every movie now? Well, that... that's what I was thinking. That was like so they made I, compare this to the Planet of the Apes. They made that Mark Wahlberg Planet of the Apes, like in Tim Burton made it, like in two thousand one, two thousand two. That was like the first reboot of the Planet of the Apes 1960s series, and it sucked, and nobody liked it. And Mark, it was the beginning of the fact that people st- started pretending that Mark Wahlberg could act when he can't act, and it was it, it was fucking an idiotic movie, and it didn't do very well. And like it was one of those Tim Burton failed movies, which was interesting but failed. And so when they re-rebooted Planet of the Apes, they just started fresh mm-hmm. in 2010 or 11 with that James Franco movie with the ape and the Berkeley and the experiment and stuff like that. The trilogy they ended up making, which was highly successful. So they, instead of re- sequelizing that crappy Tim Burton movie, they just p- pretend it never existed and start over again. Yeah. And so it, it's, it's it's like it's not like her movie was really successful and they're, they're going like, oh, fuck, we don't want chicks to have an opportunity in Hollywood. Let's go back to the less successful all-male <laughs> version. Yeah, it would be like, so they made The Mask, the movie starring Jim Carrey as the Mask character, and it was very successful. And it was a okay to pretty good movie. And several years later, Jim Carrey, I'm assuming, turned down the role and he didn't want to do it. And so they cast Jamie Kennedy as the I mask. I forgot about that. That guy that was fucking horrible. And that movie was <laughs> dog shit, although yes. I didn't see it. I'm assuming yes. it was really bad. If they do a third mask, do you think Jamie Kennedy is going to start tweeting <laughs> any bonics about how he needs to be the mask again? No. Because no, that mean- would make him an asshole. They uh well the whole this whole reboot thing is so fucking stupid in the first place, but the fact that they're actually like have to reboot because they actually made sequels that were bad, so now they're rebooting two things before the sequels. The whole thing is idiotic in the first place. We don't need another Ghostbusters movie. They can make an original film, but these are things are all just marketing dollar driven things. So why would they not go with the marketing dollar decision based off the successful franchise versus the failed sequel <laughs> film? with the four women that was clearly just greenlit because it had four women in it and they just had to make films with women. You'd have to ask Leslie Jones, but I mean, could you even imagine a more insanely entitled opinion to have? It's such a self-serving, like you you just feel that, that you're owed this. Like how about you're grateful that they made this huge studio movie that they made an, effort went out of their way to put you in along with the rest of the people i presumably lost presumably lost a good amount of money and mm, yeah. cast you as an as, in the film even though you're not particularly skilled in the dramatic arts <laughs> and you're certainly not selling tick you're not selling tickets people are going let's go see the leslie jones movie so you were like you know you yeah i mean it's not grateful because you're a black act, comedic actress that you're in it grateful that they made the film and you got to be in it so i mean melissa mccarthy's gone on to make other good movies and Kate McKinnon's making more movies. Everyone else is making more movies. It may be that she's, I understand being a, I think you called her 120 year old, <laughs> attractive large woman isn't going to get you many roles in Hollywood. So maybe this was her last first and last big one or last big one. So I kind of get that, but it's just, you know, th- again, it's not her comments, which she's making with media. It's the fact that the media cannot then legitimate media cannot respond to her intellectually, honestly, and say, here's the reason why they're not making your movie again. You should know this. They have to raise. They have to put up headlines like, "Is Leslie Jones correct? 
does Leslie Jones have something to say? Is her point being ignored? Like, they have to raise it as a legitimate issue without, just like Serena Williams' weight, without discussing the actual real-life logical arguments about how films get made in Hollywood, which is money, money, and money. That's all people care about. They just can't discuss that. I saw not a single response article to her thing where it talked about the box office differences or why they would not sequelize a film that didn't do well. It's just fucking another level of dishonest discussion about a rather serious topic. Matt, our final segment today is about, I think you used to uh, have a uh, one of those passes like at Subway with like to get the 10th one free for Brian Singer pool parties. You should get your, your frequent visitor ticket punch. Have you ever been to a Brian Singer party before? I have not. So Brian Singer, uh, uh, well, I, you know, he's made some good movies and he started out with The Usual Suspects. I think it was his first real famous one. He directed The Usual Suspects and the now he's in the film one Academy Award. I don't, he didn't. Win, I don't think he won for directing, but it was, ironically, with Kevin Spacey, it was rarely seen as a, a very strong movie. He launched a lot of careers, uh, and then he did uh, uh, X Men. The first X Men was successful. Then he did ultimately did a bunch of stupid fucking movies in the Superman reboot, which was fucking horrible in two thousand and six. But he is known uh, not open. Not, he's not an openly gay man. But uh, as far as I know, every single person in Hollywood for at least 20 years has known that he hosts a lot of young, hairless hairless men at his home, at his vacation spots. You can't just have like, I don't think people understand, you can't just be in Hollywood where people gossip about everything and just have regular raging parties at your house with like 30 twinks. And expect that people aren't are going to talk about, are going to know yeah, about. Yeah, he's it. got he's got a whole crew of Hollywood bigwigs, you know, producers and stuff, and that's their thing. They get uh, these young guys drunk, and they, you know, give them free shit and booze and drugs, and they try and fuck them, and they they I'm sure they do most of the time. And I think they do check. I do, I mean, these guys were like 18, 19, 20 years old. They do, and it's hard. Probably hard to tell with a a shape, a shorn, hairless guy exactly how old he is. So I think they probably. Are smart enough to try to make sure they are of a, they are of legal age, but of course, you know, if you if you if your thing is barely legal sex, there are going to be times when you have sex with people who are not actually legal. That's just like I always wonder, like the porn, you know, and they have like the day the girl turns eighteen, they do those porns. Mm-hmm. They have like the barely legal, like I just turned eighteen today, so the porn stuff. Like I double check that ID. Like yesterday, you go to jail for fifteen years, but today, anal gang bang, it's all it's all good. It's all good. Yeah, yeah, anytime you're cutting it close and and you're fetishizing that, you're you're possibly setting yourself up for some some liabilities down the road. Yeah, I mean, if if your thing is to cut it close, you're cutting it close because it's close. Do you remember like high school girls sneaking to college parties, and like you know, I'm not talking about the young high school girls, but like you know, eighteen, seventeen, eighteen year old girls that that would go to college parties. You couldn't tell it. You couldn't tell the difference between like a f- college freshman and a high school junior at a party. No. So, and then you, and they all have to lie to be there in the first place. So they lie about their age. So I always wonder, like, if they really crack down on how many guys would be arrested for, st- for statutory, <laughs> statutory rape. So Brian Singer. So here it, it falls in the line of Harvey Weinstein, Kevin Spacey. The Atlantic just did a big expose story on Brian Singer and, and how. This high, this very prominent. He just did. Bo- he got his name on Bohemian Rhapsody, although he was kicked off the project because of the way the DGA rules goes. He's still the listed director on Bohemian Rhapsody, so he could. He wasn't nominated, of course, for the Oscar, but that film could actually win Best Picture. 
So uh, he's been in the news a lot. So the Atlantic did a story. They got five of these like under 16, 17 year old uh, boys to claim that they had sex or coerced into sex with Brian Singer. I'm not sure what coerced into sex actually means. With the dude, I think like, it means you wanted to suck Brian Singer's dick for <laughs> a, a couple hundred bucks and a free trip to Hawaii. Well, which is uh, yes, but it's also a good reason why we have statutory laws because you know, of course, a 16 year old gay dude probably is going to want to fucking party with Brian Singer and have sex, perhaps. But we really don't want to allow that necessarily. <laughs> we don't allow that 16 year old to make that decision, especially when he's fucking doing coke and and and, <laughs> and drinking Chablis. I mean. We've all sort of agreed that, you know, if a 20-year-old wants to do that, that's okay, but a 60-year-old, not okay to make that same decision. Um, but so there now there's, like, a big headlines about Brian Singer exposed, like, these sex charges against him with these, these young gay men and so forth. And I just think, like, the first, I don't know, within three weeks of being working in Hollywood, uh, I knew that Brian Singer had uh, pool parties with uh, uh, hairless, hairless, hairless men, traveled with an entourage, I knew that Harvey Weinstein traded, uh, made actresses sleep, have sex with him to get in his movies. I knew that Kevin Spacey was grabbing dudes on the set. I also heard that John Travolta was caught more than once, like uh, making out with dudes in his trailer, making out with the younger dudes in his trailer, and all the other Tom that Tom Cruise never had sex with his wives, that he was either gay or asexual, some weird shit. That was within like weeks of getting into the Hollywood Hollywood gossip, all of which kind of turned out to be true. And that was twenty. That was twenty years ago. So I'm just this whole idea that you don't know the stuff that just comes out now is again, again, someone in Ohio may not know this stuff or may not even care who the fuck Brian Singer is. But like everybody in New York and Los Angeles knew this for, for about Weinstein and Singer, and everyone else for forever. Yeah, and and for these act for these entertainers to come out and pretend that they've just heard of it. <clears throat> Like Remy Malik is laughable, right. and you should be called a liar because you are. What happened is you did know about it, and you wanted to star in a movie and make a lot of money, so or you didn't, or you didn't, or you didn't find it that reprehensible. I mean, it wasn't like he was jumping out of alleyways and assaulting young boys. I mean, he was inviting guys, probably you know, physically his same stature, over to his house to dance around in speedos and, and give them blowjobs. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I wouldn't care personally. I mean, yeah, there's rumors that maybe a kid was slightly underage. I'm like, well, I, I haven't seen that, so I can't speak to that. Yeah, I'm gonna do an X Men movie, but I'm not gonna <laughs> go and do an interview and pretend like I don't know who the director is because that's fucking stupid. Like Lady Gaga did the song with R Kelly, and right. same thing. Like pretended she'd never heard that he was a pedophile. When uh, I knew that when I was like. 17 and lived in alaska so i don't exactly know how you could be in the music industry did you see this you saw the original Chappelle video of r kelly like from 2003 oh yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah it's just like i mean how did you miss how did you there's no way you missed that i mean there's no way you missed the fact that people were actually openly making jokes about the fact he liked to pee on 15 year old girls <laughs> i mean yeah, it's, it's ridiculous yeah i mean it's it's one thing if somebody i i can't i i honestly can't think of a story outside of like a guy you've never heard of, like in the directing department, or art department, something like that, who gets busted for sexual assault or harassment uh, in this Me Too era, where I didn't, where everyone didn't know this was going on for years and years, and then we have to pretend, like you said, like yeah, Rami Malek, who seems like a good guy, and he probably he knows what Brian Singer, he might have gone to the Brian Singer parties twenty years ago, <laughs> for all yeah. for all we know. So, and it's by the way, I think people radically underestimate how many of these sexual predator predatory sexualized guys are actually going for other boys versus girls 
And we always hear the stories about the teen girls and the ingenues and so forth getting off the bus. But at least half these cases are gay are gay dudes. Yeah, but you don't want to talk about that because that means uh, all all gay guys are like deviant perverts, perverts. and that's not true. It's it's like eighty <laughs> percent are deviant perverts. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I think if I think there's a there's a, a stigma that like if a guy, if a thirty forty year old guy has like you know like Bradley Cooper or somebody has like or you know uh, DiCaprio has a nineteen year old model girlfriend, it's cool. But if a gay dude, if a forty-year-old dude had like an eighteen-year-old boyfriend, everyone would call it perverse. Some way, I can see that stigma. Yeah, I get the stigma. I'm just saying, with all things. So, if you work for some guy and you're a young girl, I don't know what the chances are that he's going to sexually harass you at some point. Let's just say it's twenty percent. <laughs> right. If it's if you're a young guy and you're working for an old gay guy, the odds that he's going to sexually harass you at some point are around 99 percent i think <laughs> if you're terry cruz it's a, it's you better get your fucking flute out because the, guy, the guy's <laughs> coming for you well i think it's because men are perceived and probably are uh, uh more sexually predatory and more sexually aggressive so when you're talking about two two men in a relationship or even a young man and an older man there's some perception that guys are down for sex whenever so you can't really sexually harass a guy can't really sexually harass another guy because guys are always up for it. Yeah, there's also the element, and and maybe it's the same thing you're talking about, but when you go to a gay bar, the way that gay guys interact with, with each other is, is that there's no pretense that they're going to do anything except, f- like, fuck. Or at least they're all there for the same. They're all there for the same reason. Yeah, and they act that way. Um, we like going to a dance and then asking them to dance. They're like, "Oh, I'm not here to dance. <laughs> like, it's you're there." At the gay bar to hook up with somebody. Yeah. And if you're a guy in a, if you're dating a girl, you might know that she wants to fuck you and she might, but she, she will rarely just say within minutes of meeting (laughs) you, like, I really want to suck your dick. Yes. It's just not a natural thing for a woman. Like even the best, even the, uh, even the best singles bar ever doesn't have that atmosphere. You still, no. have to, you, still have to, you still have to dance and have drinks and talk and maybe have dinner. That's <laughs> why porn exists. Yes, because it's much better. So I, I can see that. But this is another one, just like R. Kelly with Harvey Weinstein, all these guys. I mean, I just remember this, learning this, like in the first, this was like the Hollywood gossip. And it wasn't based off just pure rumor and innuendo. It was based off the fact that production assistants, who were all my friends at the time, saw everything on, on movie sets. It was like the gossip pool of like secretaries at the Mad Men office. They know everything is going on, so they walk in people's trailers, all of sort. They see them, you know, in their private moments, and they see them, you know, most of it is about their being gay or you know drugs or things like that. But none of this shit is the least bit surprising. I can't believe people would actually come out and say they didn't know this was Brian Singer. Brian Singer liked <laughs> like Twinks, you know, and it's you know, let's say he had sex with a hundred late teen boys. Okay, five are going to turn out to be sixteen or seventeen years old. That's just the way it is. Yeah. I don't think he was going to hide. He wasn't trolling like he wasn't R. Kelly. He was actually trolling underage women to be because he was a pedophile. It was probably like six foot tall dudes that were just fucking twinks in high school. Yeah. And and that's and that's OK. We should just be honest about the situation. Although maybe it may be that it's illegal. <laughs> that it's, that it's so this is it. This is tough. So think about like just think about this as an end note today. Like how great a time people in Hollywood had. Until like the last two years. Until like the last two years. Yeah. Just imagine all the fucking Caligula and sh- Caligula 
Bacchanalia type shit you could do, like from the birth of Hollywood until exactly like a year and a half ago, right. that you could know that if you were a successful producer, director, if you could put people in movies, just imagine how much fucking dirty ass play you got from anyone you <laughs> wanted to. It got away with anything. You could be 50 and just have like parades of 18 year olds crossing, crossing behind your, in your backyard for sex whenever you wanted it. Fucking drugs, alcohol, and like that, and just keep your job. Good old days. That was fucking. I mean, you couldn't do that in any other profession, but like Hollywood up till like a year and a half ago, that was that was all that was all good. I met. That's our show for today. You got something you wish to pimp and promote? Anything you're selling? Not really. Your Matt, book on ye- yellow fever, <laughs> the love of an uh, Asian, a good Asian woman. MattRalston.net. That's it for now. All right, this is Lex, last word. Talk to you next week. There's no more tequila. Your mark's been down. Babe, I totally feel ya. Put on Mr. Nightgown. Terry acts and plays the flute. He's killing every note. And though his body can't make milk, it's Terry who's the goat. Good night. Love busy too